Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never got home, they never got home, they never got home, those, those, those boys. England defence in the mess, John Ollis going for the high ball, trying to look it up for Hope Dalla! Goal! And they've scored! Ray Hope! We're a small country and listen, we're up against it, but let's not just go along for the sing song every now and again. Oh, I feel like joining in, Murph. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> no, 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 we shouldn't. What a beautiful sound to kick off today's Irish Times Second Captain's Euros podcast. With. What a sight that was last night. Aaron Gunnarsson yeah. leading the Iceland players in that amazing thunderclap war cry. I don't know what you want to call it, but I think it blew us all away. And the historic humbling of England beforehand was pretty good as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, can't forget the, the game which what? preceded the main event. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is... That's that's scary. That whatever we're calling it, the thunderclap, the Viking thunderclap, or whatever, it's scary. It's very very impressive, and also, you know, I think I think they may not have changed the tires of an old couple's car, but the Icelandic fans may have just vaulted, a, may have just bombed us clean out of the best fans in the world. Well, but we're such good fans, Murph, that graciously we will hand over the title of best fans in the world to the, the just Icelandic supporters. Go, just run with it. Uh, a lot of people are comparing that to the Hakka, that chant, but it only really becomes way relevant. Way, it's way better. Oh, well, it's way better, but also the players have to unleash it before the game against France. That's the only way it's going <laughs> to attain actually, such iconic status. That would be pretty. In lieu of the national anthem, yeah. just do that. I think that would unnerve Antoine Griezmann. Yeah, she just uh, gave him one, one of those. Good Munder Benedictson was in good form, not surprisingly. That's Good Munder. That's that's his thing. That's well, what he does. Forget about Good Munder, Murph. The star of the commentary world last night was a lot closer to home. Our own George Hamilton. Truly excellent stuff on the full time whistle. Four days of shaking a kingdom was my favourite line. And then this. And the mind goes back to 1981 and the night that Norway beat England and the late Björn Lillelin uttered those immortal words. Maggie Thatcher, your guys took a hell of a beating. Another Viking has struck down 
the English Lions. Yes, George did just do that. Oh man, that, uh, George Hamilton is having a great Euros, by the way. I, I just he's, he's a great just commentator. A bloody good commentator. <laughs> he is, yeah. Uh, and when he did that, it was like that took a bit of balls. That could have gone horribly wrong, and I, la- I was laughing for five minutes after <laughs> he did. I thought it was absolutely. It's amazing. only right we compare it to the original. I think. Maggie Thatcher, your guys took a hell of a beating. Maggie Thatcher. <laughs> Marks out of 10 oh, for Hamilton. 10 out of That's 10. That's got to be a 10 out of 10. And he wasn't the only commentator doing impressions this week. A lot of people impressed by Ken's impersonation of a certain Scottish born Irish international. I don't want to get into a war of words. I don't want to get into a war of words. <laughs> That's very good. I don't want to get into a war of words. I don't want to get into a war of words. <laughs> good, isn't it? James O'Grady. <laughs> war of Ducks Back is the other one. Ken did a good impression of the water off ducks back Very, face. very good. Oh, man. Uh, the media reaction in England was suitably restrained, I assume. If you've been, uh, if this is a, a radio show from 10 years ago, I'd say you've been combing through the back pages back today. Pages, yeah. But really, you've just been on your laptop there. I've been combing through uh, Nick Sutton's uh, Tomorrow's Headlines today. <laughs> Twitter feed. Uh, the Daily Mail back page. England stars, in inverted commas, were humiliated by Iceland, a country of 323,000 people. Roy Hodgson quit within minutes, and we are glad to see the back of him. Good riddance. <laughs> the Times back page. Hudson, Hudson uh, quits in disgrace. After 959 matches, this was the most humiliating defeat in England's history to a country of 333,000 people, <laughs> managed by a dentist. <laughs> Daily Star. God help us. Metro front page. Brexit, day of farce. Exit, night of farce. Daily Express back page, clueless. The Sun front page, Dumb's gone to Iceland. That's the Mum's gone to Iceland is the you know. The oh, I see where they're going with that. Supermarket yeah. ad with a picture of Kai Rooney. Oh, Dad, what have you done? And he's got his head in his hands, which is a beautiful touch. Touch of class there from the Sun. Yeah, nah, just pick out like a, a man's uh, tiny little kid there in absolute despair and yeah. show a photo to illustrate how much of a failure his father is. Yeah, That's uh, good stuff. The Sun back page, Ice Wallies. Roy quits after a pathetic failure. And uh, I sport, uh, possibly the most thoughtful of them all, out thought, out fought, out of Europe, out of a job. Uh, <laughs> so they're the papers. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for Chris Waddle on BBC oh. Radio 5 Live. Now, he, this is a custom now. Uh, after every England exit from a major tournament, <laughs> there appears to be a Chris Waddle. I'm... It's not quite a meltdown. It's more of a. It's more of a rant. Well, he's normally a, a quite a steady. We used to talk to Chris Waddle on radio quite a lot, and if anything, I thought, thought I always thought he's quite a smart contributor. But if anything, he did, there wasn't that much energy about him. He wasn't. He actually didn't get that he- head up enough. I mm. found. But it seems like this well, we, is what energizes. We talked to him on a Monday evening after a weekend fixtures. I think Chris Waddle. There's a sweet spot <laughs> to talk to Chris Waddle, and uh, Radio Five Live. Hit that sweet, sweet Sunday morning goals. Every goal we give away in a competition. Not leaders. And people can come and say, oh, look, I'll go back to the 90s and the 80s again. Here we go. We haven't got leaders. They're all pampered. They're all just headphones. They don't communicate. They don't communicate on the pitch. They don't communicate off the pitch. You can't get anything out of them. That's why we're no good. They're a proper team, Iceland. Don't rate them as a football team. I would never pay to watch them. They're honest. But I would never ever pay to watch them. But i tell you something. They've got a... a a great camaraderie and that answers a lot we just go through them out and at the end of the tournament it'll be oh we're getting ready for Russia good luck what we'll do is we'll build a team now for Russia but we'll be inexperienced so we'll learn and go on to Qatar uh, the next Euro sorry try and win that but we'll be 
basically building a team for Qatar. And then after that, we'll be building a team for Timbuktu. <laughs> Timbuktu <laughs> They're all just headphones. All yeah. those Indian footballers are just pampered headphones. That's I'm all bad. Yeah, there's something about a, an angry Geordie that sounds a lot angrier than any other uh, nation of people. It was an angry Gary Lineker introducing the Match of the Day coverage last night. And what struck me was how sombre he was in the studio and the faces of thunder on Alan Shearer in particular and Jermaine Genus and Rio Ferdinand, who he, you know, they panned to them at the very start. But the, this, this, the tone, Lineker's incredibly, I mean, it was like somebody had died. It really was. In fact, it reminded me of Des Lynham opening a broadcast of Sports Night in 1995 by breaking the news to viewers that they were about to watch some of the most extraordinary scenes witnessed at a football ground in this country. You know what I'm talking about, the Air Cantonel yeah, yeah, yeah. kick. Itself. He got out from Park. behind the desk so Lineker, he knew it was serious. Yeah, that was exactly like this with Lineker. He, I was, well, he still managed to get a bit of a joke in. In fact, it was a really good intro. He said, blimey, you've joined us. You're suckers for punishment. And then into the <laughs> highlights, which is good. Good stuff all round, I think. Let's see what... Oh, God, let's just go to Ken. And you're just headphones and a microphone and an iPhone. <laughs> so there. <laughs> uh, well, no, Owen, I'm not actually a phone. You're not a phone? Uh, no, my phone suffered a 9.8 meters, uh, meters per second squared impact with Leon. Leon is big, big and hard, Owen. <laughs> and my phone, unfortunately, came off the worst for that collision. So I was in the shop getting fixed. And that's why last night... As I sat watching England against Iceland, a match which I had tragically decided not to go to. I didn't have a phone and I was unable to communicate. I was unable to communicate with anybody apart from the people, apart from the people who were sitting next to me, apart from the people who were sitting next to me, two, uh, two Irish journalists uh, who were still here in Paris, uh, an English guy who was sitting there with his head in his hands, uh, a German guy a big, fat, old German man who, who was leaning over and saying, why are you people speaking English and yet laughing so much at this football match? Are you not from England? We were like, no, no, we're, we're, we're not from England, actually. Well, he's from England, but we're not from England. So this is actually the funniest match we have ever seen <laughs> in our lives. Watched a lot of matches. There have been a lot of funny things, but there has never been anything to rival that much last night. What would you say, Ken, to the people who say that such an attitude, laughing at England being eliminated like this, shows you up as a little Irelander? Uh, I would laugh in those people's <laughs> faces, though, because those are people who don't know anything about anything. They don't know anything about football. They don't know anything about Brexit. They don't know. They just don't know anything. Iceland beating England in the European Championships a couple of days after England votes to leave the EU is. The funniest thing that has ever happened in international football. It, it's just, it's beyond, it, it's, it's <laughs> you just cannot, you couldn't, you couldn't believe it. I mean, it wasn't even just like a, a kind of a, 
a one nil. You know the kind of this this type of defeat when it happens is invariably one nil, right? It's invariably one nil, and somehow there's just a short circuiting of the of the you know stronger team. They can't score, and somehow, usually late in the game, they concede a, a scruffy goal. One nil. Oh my god, they're This was England were up after four minutes. After four minutes, England were in the lead, and they still lost. They didn't just lose on penalties. They lost by conceding two goals. Joe Hart! Joe Hart! I mean, is, what's, what's happened? Has, I, I mean, I wasn't at this, at this game. I don't know what happened really after it. I know that Roy Hodgson resigned, but I want to know, what about all the players? Yeah, Joe Hart gave a mea culpa. Uh, he gave an interview after the game in which he was really good. This is the thing about Joe Hart. He carries himself so well. <laughs> that and he spoke so well. I think that people think he's a world class goalkeeper. He could not be further from world class goalkeeper. A constant maker of mistakes in goal, and <laughs> you know all the all the uh, spectacular saves that he does pull off from time to time. Can't make up for that. No, I mean the, the goals England have conceded in this tournament. Uh, one of them was uh, a lob over Joe Hart, uh, who who was uh, he was not in any position to save it. Another one was in off Garrett Bale scoring from 75 yards in off Joe, uh, Joe Hart's chocolate wrist. Uh, <laughs> and then there was a nil-nil against Slovakia. So that was a clean sheet. That was a good job. Although I don't think Slovakia had any shots. And then there was, um, well, that second goal against uh, Iceland. Can't really blame him for the first goal. That was a, a more of a defensive meltdown. But, you know, just like, it, it was just, it was beyond belief to see that ball trickle in. It went under his hand. Like it was, it was a good meter and a half inside the post, and he gets his hand to it and he can't stop it. It's just, it's it's incredible. I mean the whole thing. But I mean, okay, so you let in the goals, but there was still seventy two minutes to go. I think they couldn't do anything. Seventy two minutes against Iceland, they have the ball. What seventy percent of the of the game, and they. Barely created a chance. I can't remember a chance. I mean, there was Rooney's one where he kind of volleyed into the ground. There was Kane's one where the goalkeeper saved it. And there was nothing else. I mean, it's beyond. It's just... And Roy Hodgson. Roy Hodgson, after the Slovakia game, got was getting cranky with the press. They were saying, oh, that wasn't very good, Roy. And he said, well, you know, some team, some team is going is to pay for that. You know, we've we've made the chance today. We haven't scored, but some team coming up uh, down the line is going to pay for that. You know, as in, we're going to score five or six against some team. Well, maybe they will, but it didn't happen here, and Roy's gone. And you know, Roy, like, the, the, what what was Roy Hodgson still doing in that job? By the way, after the World Cup, what happened? What happened at the World Cup? I mean, he obviously resigned uh, last night. He, he decided he had to go. Um, but what I don't understand is how he wasn't drummed out of that job after the World Cup when England lost <laughs> lost their first two matches and drew with Costa Rica, drew with Costa Rica, and and got one point in the group, the worst ever World Cup. And Roy Hodgson, everybody was everybody basically said, "Well, Roy's doing his best. He's brought in young players. He's gone with a, an exciting young team." Which basically meant he picked Raheem Sterling, and uh, and 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 they kind of said, okay, well, we'll leave off. You know, Roy's doing a good job. Roy wasn't doing a good job. Roy was doing a disastrous job, and this just really puts the tin hat in it. I mean, 
What, what more What more can I say? I was stunned. I was flabbergasted. I really enjoyed the game. I'm surprised that, yeah. Oh, but I mean, we will be talking plenty about Iceland because this was just such a, uh, such a ridiculous achievement for a country of that size. We're going to talk to an Icelandic journalist and historian in a little while. As, as long as we can rouse him, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure there were celebrations last night. But yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised you didn't mention a certain... Um, do, not so dominant central midfielder, in Jack Wilshire. Well, no, the other one. Oh, Wayne Rooney. Forget about Wilshire. And that was just Wilshire. The, the problem with Wilshire is that's almost more uh, an extension of the conversation about Hodgson. Like, why would Roy Hodgson pick a guy that everybody could see wasn't fit, and maybe why, never? Why get do the... you, Roy? What are you doing? He brought on Wilshire at half time. He brought on Wilshire at half time. Wilshire, like. We were talking about this after the smoking game. I was actually defending Roy. I was saying, well, you know, Roy at least learned some valuable lessons from this tobacco thing. You got to have a look at some players. I mean, and one big lesson that he learned was don't pick Wilshire. Do not use Jack Wilshire again because he is, he shouldn't be here. He's not fit. He doesn't even know what kind of player he is anymore. You know, he's had so many injuries. He's basically a changed, he's a changed man. And at halftime, what happens? What happens? I mean, you're, just, you're holding your head in your hands. Well, I mean, I was, I was gripping the sides of my body as I was convulsed with laughter. What are you doing, Roy? What are you doing? Brings on Wilshire. Wilshire has no impact. But what, you know, the, the, the bizarre thing was leaving the substitute. I mean, Marcus Rashford came on with five minutes to go. With five minutes to go. And did more than Wayne Rooney had managed to do in the, in the game. He actually did more to unsettle... Uh, and unbalance Iceland than Wayne Rooney had managed in the 85 minutes leading up to that. You know, and you're thinking, why, what did he, why did he not think of doing something like this a little earlier? Oh my God, I don't, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's honestly, it's the kind of game that's going to take me a couple of weeks to process. It's just like, what, what, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm babbling, I'm speechless. I don't know what I'm talking about, but what more can I say? We're all feeling a little bit like that. Wayne Rooney, if I was Roy Hodgson, Murph, I would, in fairness, be looking at Wayne Rooney out there in that second half in particular. Well, the second half was the, one of the worst footballing and displays just by ask, a footballer I've ever seen. Just asking him. Well, certainly talent compared to deliverance yeah. on the talent. Uh, whatever position he's in. He's, even if Rooney's playing right back, you would expect that his... The bar is set historically low here. could let's, be okay. You let's know. play like sideways passes to a man's feet. No, but he, yeah, he, he wasn't was even doing that. Completely incapable of doing that. Yeah, it was, it was weird. It was just this mental unravelling. Now, in fairness, he was taken apart by one of the most fearsome midfield competitors that the Premier League has ever seen. And of course, I speak of Gilfie Sigurdsson, who's renowned up and down the Premier League for his tough tackling, no-nonsense uh, defending. Uh, I mean, sure, he doesn't offer a whole lot going forward, but what a stopper Gilfie Sigurdsson <laughs> is. Uh, you know, like to see Wade really getting comprehensively out-muscled by, you know, Swansea's number 10, number, like, flair player. Like, what the hell is going on? There was an image of him on the bench at the end, just after he'd been substituted, and his face was bright red through probably a mixture of physical exertion and sunburn. Mm. And, 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 and burning crimson humiliation. Yeah, possibly a little bit of that as well, because he, he knew, he knows that, that, that that's it for him. I mean, he can't, yeah. he's just never going to do anything at a major tournament. And, Forget and, it, Wayne, it's and, over. And neither are so many of these 
players. It, it's funny. There's a lot of this stuff afterwards. Oh, the English players don't. Oh, we, I don't. You've, you've forgotten to read out the Danny Baker tweets, Murph. Get a few Danny yeah. Baker tweets together, and we'll we'll get we'll get rattled into them as we go. But there's a lot of the English players don't care nonsense. Give us a Baker tweet, for example. I wish I was over there now. It's those useless, underachieving ponces boarded their coach. Boo! You charlatans! <laughs> you frauds! You worms! Imagine tweeting that. That's a Danny Baker tweet, one of many. You effing, awful, craven, humiliating disgrace. Go on, you effers. Pick up your Premier League wages, you cheap shits. You worms. (laughs) F you. You worms. You worms uh, is an amazing phrase. There's an argument that it's possibly a little over the top to call another human being a worm. Absolutely disgraceful, England. You useless, overpaid, overindulged, mollycoddled shits. You are beyond shame. Disgrace to working people. Beyond shame. (laughs) What lies beyond shame? I think that's fair. Yeah. Beyond, Beyond shame is absolutely fair enough. They do care, though, the England players. I think they do care quite a lot. But the problem is they get freaked out by how much their... No, they get freaked out by how much their country cares about what they do. And they seem to... Like, I I would argue that that they do care. But at the same time, almost paradoxically, some of them probably don't want to be playing in that tournament. As if some of them had the choice, they might not actually choose to play for England at a major tournament because it generally brings nothing but grief and serious grief after this one. Whatever about a lot of the other, as you say, Ken, eliminations and penalties and sometimes against very good teams, in fairness, this one is an all-time shocker. This will be talked about in 50 years' time. These are the players in the team that night. This is like, this is like losing to the United States, you know, in 1950. Um, It's, it's it's in that league. I mean, this is different because uh, everybody saw this one. <laughs> this this is like forget about the United States thing now. The the mantle has been passed. There's a new king in town. This is the king of England disasters. You know, this this which isn't which is not in any way to insult Iceland. Who are fantastic. Iceland are amazing. They're brilliant. You know, to, to put together a team, it's like the population of a, of a suburb in England to put together a team that can beat England, that, that plays so calmly. That, you know, when they, they have the ball in the fence, they're passing the ball out. They're passing the ball out in midfield. They're eating up time. They're, they, they, it's just amazing, that composure that they have. No experience at this level. How can they get so composed? Everybody's going to be studying them and trying to figure out what it is that they're doing but they were they were inspired you know but still i mean england just i'm i'm sorry i'm actually lost for words i i can't, i don't even know what to what the, where to where to come at this from i'm going to need like time to think about this yeah the one thing about the chris waddle uh, rant that we played there was that he would never in a million years pay to watch iceland play like that's the one part of it i wouldn't agree with because Iceland actually played really good football. Oh, it was great. And like they they were just a better team. They just played better football. And they. also their defensive effort was a joy to watch, I thought. They were the, the the I think I tweeted some stage about the the art of ta- their tackling being works of art. Some of the tackles the one on Vardy towards the end yeah. was absolutely incredible. I can't remember which oh, of the yeah. center halves executed that one. And I agree with Roy Keane on this one. It's great to see a tournament where you can do that without fear of getting sent off. Mm. No, absolutely absolutely. Um did Keane say that? Keane said earlier on, about a week ago, he said they were my, you know, this tournament has a lot of my kind of tackles, my kind of football, and it's great that, that this is back, you know? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I, I totally agree. But I mean, Jesus, like, I could never have imagined that it would all, I honestly could not have imagined 
that in- I mean, as I said, I didn't I didn't go to that game. I went to Spain, Italy game, which is such a bore. Spain are a disgrace, almost as much of a disgrace as England, in my opinion. But you know, we'll leave we'll leave that. Who wants to talk about Spain, Italy? <laughs> I said, well, you know, England, Iceland, down in Nice. Nice is a bit of a schlep. Um, you know, England are going to win that game, obviously. So I'll go to the quarterfinal between France and England instead, which is now France against Iceland. Uh I mean, we, we'd been talking about uh, Rooney, for instance, and how his, you know, dull, predictable play as a playmaker was not really adding anything to the team. You know, he gets the ball, uh, he looks up, he takes a couple of touches, and then he passes sideways to the guy next to him. That's basically what Rooney does all the time. Um, or, you know, there's a couple of shots. There's like these, these you know, poor long-range shots. And he had a couple of them last night as well. But it was just, I mean, what a, what a stupendous failure that was last night. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, whatever you, whatever you say about Rooney in his, you know, new position, uh, not really knowing how to play as a midfielder or whatever, this is like a guy who's won absolutely everything in football. You know, he's been the top, been the top paid player in the Premier League anyway for like four or five years at this stage. And to see him just totally fail to create even a chance, even a chance against Iceland, it's stunning. It's how do you explain something like that? What is going on in their heads? All these little frightened rabbits in the headlights. Can you imagine how, what's going on in Marcus Rashford's head? Yeah, Ken, can you imagine Marcus Rashford at whatever, 19 years of age, going out there, looking at Wayne Rooney on the field while he's on the bench thinking, what, what the hell? This is a guy I look up to. He's the leader at my club. And I'm now coming on for him. Jeez, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be the same game going on out there that we play week to week. But uh, I might as well go out and actually just you know play f- some football. <laughs> as if, yeah. it, it's it's it, the, he's. Uh, I'm sure this will be beaten out of Marcus Rashford in the next eight to ten years. This as what, to, as what as, happened as, to as what happened to Rooney <laughs> he had an impact in 2014. But it's yeah, it's stunning to behold. Oh, incredible! I mean, Rooney, or, or rather Rashford was actually really good when he came on. Yeah, yeah. Well, he just, he, he played like Marcus Rashford does in the Premier League. Just started running, running at guys. I mean, that's the thing. That's why, you know, I was looking at, the, before the game, I was thinking, I think England will definitely do Iceland. Um, looking at it, England had been the team that had dribbled most in the tournament out of anyone. And I thought, and oftentimes when you're playing against a team like this, that's, that's a, a really important thing. You know, it, Dribbling past defenders is the way to when you've got a defense which is well set up, which which is well organized, knows what it's doing. If you have got people who can beat a man, that is going to make the difference a lot of the time in these games. But it just it didn't happen. I mean, Iceland, oh, Iceland were were fantastic. Iceland are amazing. I mean, I think everybody wants Iceland to go and win the tournament now. Right. And it's like if they can win a game like that, <laughs> if they can win a game like that, then yeah, who knows. Well, let's talk about them, because if last night had such a seismic impact on all of us, imagine being from this tiny country that made it all happen. Anton Inge Svenbjörsson is an Icelandic historian and writer. Anton, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm, uh, well, literally speechless, which is, uh, <laughs> I, suppose, uh, I suppose, somewhat counterproductive, but uh, <laughs> it's, an, uh, it's an unbelievable feeling. It's... Uh, it's something I've been dreaming of for 26 years, and now it's here. And all of a sudden, it feels it feels so real that you. It's crazy to imagine that two weeks ago we had no feeling for being in a tournament ever, <laughs> and now we're here. And not only do we feel like we belong, we 
can't even imagine that there was ever ever a time when this wasn't the natural feeling. <laughs> yeah, I know. It must be a, it must be a hard one to put into words, all right. But we'll we'll just keep asking you questions, Anton, and we can yeah, we can talk. Go for it. I, yeah, I will ha- happily answer happily answer every that. question. I'm sure. Well, I suppose w- w- one of the obvious ones is when did you start believing that that Iceland was going to win this game? Like it's it's uh, it's hard to say because like after the penalty, you know, it was like being woken up by a harsh dream. It was unbelievable. It was, it was almost as if everything was just coming down over us, and you know, we the dream had turned into a nightmare. And but the fact that we scored immediately made so much difference. And I think that's when that's when momentum swung in our favor. It really did, and it seemed to happen. I mean, it seemed to happen so fast. And obviously, in the English media, we've been talking a little bit about the. Well, the very heavy criticism that they're all that all the players are taking today. From an Icelandic point of view, though, that that long throw, that flick on, that volley must have been a thing of beauty. Yeah, I mean, like uh, I, I think I took a shower this morning, and I'm literally covered in bruises, which I can only assume came from that moment. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of surreal because it felt like we hit zero. You know, like. We started from scratch, except, you know, it was 1-1. But England looked completely defeated for a team that had just scored and won a penalty and were the obvious favourites. You know, it was almost as if they had gotten it in their heads. You know, we scored after five minutes and it's only Iceland. And, you know, now we just have to guide it home. And then they get, you know a big ice bucket to the face and from then on it was we grew into the game and they played within themselves and I think from the I mean I can say that now I mean yesterday I was a bundle of nerves and uh, you know every shot every pass every cross had me almost in tears but even even then it was it just felt like there was only one team who believed they could win it and that was Iceland yeah, and I mean, it's one of these situations where when you're watching and you're not involved, uh, Iceland were actually comfortable in that game. I know that it's probably hard for you to to believe that, given, as you say, the, the range of emotions that you felt throughout the game. But to be honest, in the second half, England didn't seem to have any idea of how to score against you guys. And really, you could have you could have won the game by more, which in itself is an amazing thing to say. This wasn't... A, uh, backs to the wall. Yeah, you got a fluky goal and managed to hang on. You guys were just were just better than England. Yeah, I, I, I mean, admittedly somewhat biased, but I genuinely believe that you know, no team in this tournament plays to their strengths the way Iceland do. We are extremely organised. We hunt in packs. You know, we defend with ten behind the ball, but we also have like. The goal heard around the world against Austria, where Biski Bjarnason runs after what was it, 94 minutes, runs the length of the field just to make the off the ball run, you know. And it's it's actually quite sad in a way that we had to play Portugal first because everyone got the impression that we were basically trying to pull what Greece did, but. As we showed today, uh, yesterday, and especially with the second goal, we play football. We come to play, 
Yeah, absolutely. The second goal, Sikthorsen's goal was superb. And in the second half, there were a couple of really great sweeping sweeping sort of moves. Uh, interestingly, Lars Lagerbach was one of the few people who didn't think this was a great surprise. He said so after the game. And in fairness to him, he said before the game, look, I've managed against England a lot of times. I know how to beat them and, and we'll beat them again. Yeah, he's now, I think he. this is his sixth against England and he's under, like he's six for six against England, so... You can't ask for more than that. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was actually talking about this uh, earlier today with someone that, uh, ironically enough, that uh, of the two coaches who who coached in Sweden and went into international management, England have somehow ended up with a, with the less talented one. <laughs> we played the audio earlier on of the uh, that incredible rhythmic chant between the players and the supporters, Aaron Garson mm-hmm. leading it at the end. It's it's both thrilling and chilling in equal measure um mm-hmm. anton what is there is there a particular name for the chant a meaning it's it's hard to explain i mean i think it just almost took on a life of its own i mean of course there's meaning but i think in a way it just sometimes it says everything it has to without words and i think that's kind of powerful i think it's i think the fact that the players and the fans come together as one is something that you will never get anywhere else, in my opinion. Maybe admittedly biased, but you would never see the England team doing this. No, I I can't imagine so. Well, maybe if they, I don't know, maybe if they won the European Championships, but that's not going to happen for quite a while. One man who did put it into words, has been putting it into words, Gudmunder Benedictson, the Uh, commentator. Yeah, is he being, uh, is he a particularly popular figure in Iceland? Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he's been somewhat of a folk hero for for a number of years now and uh, uh, I think you can even look it up online maybe I can find the link he went somewhat viral during the uh, game where City won against uh, won, won the league when Joey Barton was sent off. Yes, he, yeah, and Aguero scored the winner, yeah. He, uh, went on a rampage and he said, you know, he he told Joey Barton off and, <laughs> you know, he just wanted... And uh, it was the first of many times that he's gone not as viral as uh, currently, but uh, he's somewhat of uh, internet... Or, like, uh, he's, uh, he's our uh, most beloved commentator by far. And he used to host uh, what I suppose is the Icelandic equivalent of the of match of the day. Brilliant, but he's uh, he's kept us all entertained over the last week or two. Now, Anton, you have to recover physically from your bruises there, and also emotionally for this big game against France next weekend. It could have been Ireland. I mean, we we gave the French a good yeah. Rattle. I mean, if uh, if we had drawn against Ireland, I would have gone to France with or without a ticket just to. Enjoy the party. Oh, could have been, yeah, could have actually been the best atmosphere ever at a sporting event. But no, the French fans, in fairness to them, are, are brilliant as well. So uh, at home, anyway. So I can imagine it being an amazing occasion at the Stade de France. Are you giving your team a chance of themselves? They don't seem to. They seem to be so mentally strong that I wouldn't be too worried about them. Uh, from what I've seen of them so far in this tournament, recovering from this high, it seems like they're they're quite a. The, you know, even though they play with a great intensity, they seem to have level heads about them. So, w- would you give them a chance of knocking France out of Euro twenty sixteen? I mean, absolutely. I mean, I would. We wouldn't be here if we didn't believe and give ourselves the chance to dream. And I think that it's really hard to put into words how much Lars Lagerbeck has 
changed Icelandic football culture. Uh, I was talking about this yesterday with a lot of people and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm 26 and I've been following football since I was old enough to kick one. And to me, Iceland was always, I mean, underdogs doesn't even cover it. We played 5-3-2. We played with, you know, big center forwards, five at the back, you know, kill the game and hope we don't get beaten. He's come in, we go away to Holland, play 4-4-2 with the intent to win, play interesting attacking football. He keeps them motivated, he keeps them grounded, he keeps them... The level of professionalism and belief is, I believe, I mean, not to take anything from the players themselves, but he's brought in this aura of professionalism and determination and will to win, which I think as you saw yesterday, that they are down a goal within five minutes against England in their first ever tournament. And they just go back to their routine. We play to our strengths. We do what we do. And as long as we do that, we have a chance against anyone. And I truly believe that. And I think that we've shown this tournament that as long as we play to our strengths and do what we do well, we can go toe-to-toe with anyone. Yeah, absolutely. And we've also seen a lot of stories in the build-up to this tournament about all the investment in coaching in Iceland and all these facilities that have been built in the last 10 years uh, to give give players uh, young players a chance to hone their skills indoors in in you know away from some of the harsh weather and all those kind of things do you think there that Iceland that you guys are, can be a lesson to other footballing countries I mean obviously Ireland is a a bigger country but still a pretty small one population wise worldwide could could Ireland and other countries look at you guys and take some lessons about how to go forward? I think, I mean, there have been so many articles written and I've seen them in The Guardian and The Telegraph and The Daily Mail and I think even Vice Sports did a feature on Iceland. But I think the main point is that the investment and the infrastructure and the coaching hasn't taken away the fact that sometimes sport is just for the sake of sports. And the fact that they've built uh, football pitches at every school in the country means that there's no there's no inherent strategy. You can play sports if you're unfit and don't like it. It's and but all your friends do. It's the fact that you can play sports, can play football when you want, where you want, regardless of socioeconomic status or anything. And I think especially as with England, the, I think England are the richest football association in the world by far, but everything is sink or swim. Everyone, you know, they they have their Wayne Rooney's who come in at 16 and blow everyone away, but they also discard the late bloomers. There's no... England, uh, I'm not too familiar with Ireland, but I know as with England, there's no... You know, there's no Miroslav Klose or Didier Dropper who start playing professionally at 22 or 23. I mean, Jamie Vardy, sure, but that's the exception. It's not, it's not a system that creates freedom to make mistakes, to learn, to develop. And I think that's what Iceland has done. Iceland has given kids the freedom to develop, to grow, to make mistakes. And just keep it fun. The fact that, you know, it's not 
all about end product. You don't have to create footballers. You can also give kids the chance to just play football at 10 o'clock at night. Absolutely. And I think that, yeah. and I think that's the beauty of it. I think that the infrastructure we've had also, as I say, we have football pitches at all the schools across the country, meaning that kids can go home and come later at night and play football with their friends and just enjoy it. Yeah, that certainly sounds like it's working at the moment, Anton, and we look forward to the game. I think it's Sunday, is it, I think, against France? So Yeah, think- Sunday at 9 uh, local time. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I think we'll all pencil that in. Everyone's going to be supporting you guys, and uh, it's great to talk to you today. Thanks so much. Yeah, sure. Anton Ingi Sven Bjorsen Murphy, very, very happy man. Not sure he knows even how the bruises occurred. <laughs> but... Yeah, I think we. I think we all know where we, we were. I was talking about this in the aftermath of the Robbie Brady goal. That you just uh, you're thrown into a, a muddle of humanity, a vast heaving mass of humanity, and you're thrown out at the other side. That's basically what happened. I'm sure that's what happened to uh, to Anton. As well. I'd be worried about the Welsh players suffering similar injuries. If you've yeah. seen the video of them celebrating the England goal, did you see this? Yeah, put up and then very quickly taken back yeah, down. Who put again, it I up? I have no idea. I don't know if you had a chance to look at this yet, Ken. Wales players going Wales players going nuts going absolutely insane in their team room celebrating like we would celebrate like supporters would celebrate <laughs> uh, it's like something out of Italian uh, 90 yeah like a they're joyous the they're crying they're, they're all there Ramsey's giving it all this and I don't know who's, whoever is taking the video seemed quite welcome in the room do you know what I mean I thought maybe yeah. it might be a one hotel of the players, staff oh, one of the players presumably I'm not sure exactly the, uh, the genesis of it but it, it was up and now it's back down <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately the cat's out of the bag yep. and it's everywhere um, Amazing, Murph. Well, yeah, go on. Yeah, no, I think I think I think fair enough. I mean, it's you wouldn't have to be anti-English to find that result one of the most uh, hilarious and uplifting tournament outcomes of all time. You know, I don't think I don't think anti-English anti-Englishness is a prerequisite. I mean, it would have been nearly as funny if it had been you know Germany or France or or Italy or any of these uh, larger European nations losing to Iceland, but. I don't. Yeah. Know, I don't know if I had seen. Ar- would have seen Aaron Ramsey quite as pumped up if it had been. In no, the no, to be perfectly honest to be, with you. To be fair, I was just, uh, just talking nonsense there. Mur- Murphy, I need a Danny Baker tweet, but uh, I don't know why I haven't used this. Uh, see, in this studio, we've got a bell. I've got a bell in front of me. No idea how it got here. No idea what it's doing here. But finally, I think I have a function for it. Every time I hit this bell, you give me a Danny Baker tweet. You. You effing disgrace. You effing disgrace. England, England footballers, each and every one of you and your effing manager are an effing disgrace. Shut up, Glenn Hoddle, you empty TV cash gobbling vacuum. Just <laughs> shut the F up. Yeah. You're making this worse. Uh, <laughs> oh, I like it. You empty TV cash gobbling vacuum. <laughs> is, that's pretty good. Uh, Richard Keyes, on the other hand. Wasn't he calling for Glenn Hoddle to become the next England manager? Uh, as Daddy Baker was tweeting all of this nonsense about Glenn Hoddle, he says... Kevin Keegan tells me in sports, Glenn Hoddle is the only homegrown uh, 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 option. Either that or we go foreign. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it, it's the turn to go foreign. Let's it? play the blame game with Jonathan Wilson. Jonathan, who's your England scapegoat? Um, everybody. Um, <laughs> I've been pro by Hodgson. Um, and I, I think I kind of still retain that. I, I think I mean, there's a couple of interesting stats. Um, that I think are telling. One is that England have had more shots than any other team this tournament. They've had 82 shots of the tournament. Now, 
the problem is a lot of those shots were very speculative and very much in long range. But it, it's um, it's been the same pattern in all, all four of the games. England have dominated possession. They've had way more shots than the opposition. And they haven't been able to... They've, been, you know, they've lacked the incisiveness or, or the, you know, the moment of brilliance to, um, to take advantage. So I, I think the problem there is... I mean, yeah, it's part, obviously it is partly tactical. But it's also just a failure of any English player to um, have the nows, to have the wherewithal, to unlock a mass defence, to, to work out how to break an opposition down. And that's a problem that you could say exactly the same thing happened when they lost to Croatia in 2007, when they lost to Brazil in 2002, uh, when they lost to Norway in 1993, when they lost to... Uh, also, when they failed to beat West Germany in 1982 at the World Cup. Games where they had a lot of possession and couldn't do anything with it. Um, and so that's, that, that, I think, is a problem with endemic in English football. And, and so while Hodgson quite rightly resigned, while he quite rightly takes responsibility, there, there's a wider issue there. that England keep failing in the same way and have done since time began. Um, and yet again, you, you know, I'm sure we'll see all these calls for Eaton Branch reform. Um, and, and they happen after every tournament. But uh, the, the problem has been there for a very long time. It's just endless, humping the ball in the box and watching it being headed clear. But what goes on in their heads? Why is it that England can never put it together? I, don't I just don't understand what this chronic failure. I do not see why it should be the same every time with every generation of players. The same, you know, the, all the things you've been talking about there, the, the lack of composure, the sort of panicking, the freezing on the big stage. Why, why does it always happen to England? It's, it's incredible. What is happening there? I don't know. I mean, uh, it's it's a it's a mystery because it has been the case for. I mean, as long as I've been watching England, they they, you know, there's a lot of talk about how national teams express in some way national character, and and you know, I know I've I've, I've talked on, on this program about um, about how that's very much the case in Argentina. But I think actually the the the, the parallels between national character and and um, a national team is is in the ways in which they fail and the things they blame when they fail. So whenever Brazil fail, they blame a lack of physicality. That's that's the sort of deficiency they believe they have, and England always blame, and, and I think rightly blame that that lack of. I mean, it's not even a lack of technique; it's a lack of the ability to apply technique. I mean, you saw last night. You saw Harry Kane, Wayne Rooney, Carl Walker, mis miscontrol really really simple balls. Like you know they can do it. You see them do it without thinking in the Premier League every week. And somehow the, the pressure gets to them, the, 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 you know, the blind panic uh, gets to them. And they, they're, they're unable to, to perform as they can when they play for the national team. But Jonathan, um, that's a, that's, I know that's a part of it, this lack of creativity. Is, as you say, this inability to, to execute the, the sort of skills that unlock defences. But that doesn't explain how, after scoring an early goal, they concede an equaliser so shortly afterwards from a long throw-in the type of throwing, apparently, according to Barney Roney today, uh, the type of throwing that Roy Hodgson was preaching uh, to Lars Lagerbach and other Swedish coaches about 20, 25 years ago. Yeah, I mean, it's genuinely pathetic. I mean, that's, that's the, other, the other stat I was, I was going to bring up. But if you, if you look at this tournament, the four goals England have conceded have all been just ludicrous. They've been two goalkeeping errors and two terrible bits of defending. So if they'd... If they hadn't, if it hadn't been those two goalkeeping errors, and if they defended properly, they'd have 
kept four clean sheets, so they won the group. And okay, they wouldn't have played Iceland, but imagining they had still played Iceland with winning the group, they'd probably have beaten Iceland. So, in, in a sense, the attacking, although it hasn't been good, although there's clearly been deficiencies there, although they haven't been able to find a breakthrough when they've needed it, it's actually been good enough. It's just really, really bad defending. And that, again, unfortunately, uh, Hodgson has to take responsibility for. Maybe not the goalkeeping so much, although there's an argument that he was too loyal to Joe Hart. Uh, but I don't think anybody was really... Um, yeah, there wasn't a huge campaign for Hart to be dropped for, for Forster before the tournament. Um, but, but yeah, the, the basic defending. And as you say, the, yeah, we all saw how, how Iceland scored against Austria, the long throw, the flick on. It's not something that English defences have never seen before. Hodgson said they'd worked on it. How, how did they get done by it so so simply? I mean, it can only be a mental lapse, a, a, I don't know, a moment of complacency in the euphoria of, of having taken the lead. But that that shouldn't happen. Do you think? I mean, where would you put this in the sort of in in the history of English football? Is this the worst defeat that England have ever suffered out of tournament? No, I mean, that's the USA in nineteen fifty. But it's, what what it's makes net, that what uh, makes that worse than this? Because this Iceland side has beaten the Netherlands, the Czech Republic and Turkey within the last two years. It got very close to qualifying for the World Cup. Although it's a tiny nation, although they're punching way above their weight, it's a, it's a reasonably good side. Um, the USA in, in 1950 was you know, a ragtag collection of people who never met each other before who were not professional footballers. Uh, and also, I think, although England was, were clearly monstrously arrogant, they... Yeah, they, they they clearly were back then comfortably in the top sort of six is that, seventy. Is that still is that the only real competition for this result? In terms of tournaments, I think it probably is. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I don't think England have actually played as badly in this tournament as they did, for instance, against Algeria in two thousand and ten. But they didn't lose that game. Um, so, in, in terms of a, an embarrassing defeat, and, you know, a defeat that in sort of twenty or thirty years when Iceland have got have regressed to the mean and become a you know, a side who's in pot four, pot five when they're doing the draws for qualifying. Yeah, people are still going to be going, how did that happen? Um, and and I, you know, I don't think it's going to be like the, the Norway defeat in uh, 981, you know, the Borgia Lelian, your boys are taking on a hell of a beating, which at the time was a massive humiliation. But now we sort of see that in the context of rising Norwegian football and the defeat to Norway is, is not a massive humiliation. I suspect Iceland will, for, you know, for all the work they've done with development and coaching and artificial pitches and, and indoor football, and which is clearly been hugely positive. For all that, they are a country of three hundred thirty thousand, and they they will dip back again. And I think we will look back on this in twenty or thirty years and, and just not understand how it happened. Jonathan, I'm sure you'll be thrilled to know that Alan Shearer is available for the England manager's job. He confirmed the match of the day last night when he revealed that a few years back he went to the FA and told him he should be the England manager and they said get out of here Shearer you haven't got enough experience which according to Shearer shows that they put too much store on big names and big experience <laughs> he hadn't literally had got no experience apart from seven games at Newcastle yeah but see you don't need experience you need uh, you need playing you need to be a football man I guess you know and Alan Shearer very much is a football man so anyway he said he's available again but more realistically he also said he'd be available to be part of a, a backroom team under Gareth Southgate Jonathan, who is the overwhelming favourite, it seems. Is Gareth Southgate the answer to English football yields? Oh, God, I don't think anybody is. Um, I mean, maybe we should just withdraw from UEFA as well. Like, just, just <laughs> have proper isolations and spare ourselves to shame. Just lock ourselves in our houses, pull the curtains and hope it all goes bring, away. Bring back, the ho- <laughs> bring, bring back the home championships, Jonathan. We wouldn't win them. Jesus, that'd be <laughs> Have you seen Wales and Northern Ireland in this tournament? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<sighs> so you're not sure uh, about Southgate? I, I think, actually, Shearer's point, um, the, the, yeah, somewhere within there, there is a reasonable point, which is that I'm not sure Premier League experience is necessarily that useful to international management. I think they're very different jobs. And so, although I'm not a huge fan of Yogi Löw, um, yeah, he, he's clearly done a, a pretty good job with Germany, having had next to no club experience. Um, so, uh, yeah, somebody from from within the FA structure, I don't think that's a ridiculous call at all. Southgate obviously does have his experience at Middlesbrough, but you know, his his recent successes have been with England um, on the 20 or on the 21 side in, in Toulon. Um, I mean, that, that tournament, I'm not sure we should place too much credence on, given that you know, it's a real sort of mix of teams there, some youth teams, some teams preparing for the Olympics. But England did win it, and that's that's a, a, a better thing than not winning it. Um, so I, I don't think Southgate's a terrible candidate, but I really don't think it's a particularly long, short list of, of, of plausible candidates. I mean, Eddie Howe maybe with the most exciting um, possibility as being somebody young with Premier League experience who, who clearly is, is inspirational. But if I was Eddie Howe, I wouldn't come within a million miles of him the job. And I think it's you know it's so toxic that he, he, it would be foolish for him to to, to risk that taint. Jonathan, you should know that uh, Shearer has the pulse of the nation. England have had enough of managerial experts. Have you learned nothing <laughs> from the last couple of weeks? Did he actually say that? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Just channeling uh, Gove there. So mad while I've been here that I I, I don't know what. I don't. I, I now am completely unable to differentiate between satire and reality. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Jonathan, sounds like you need a rest for a couple of hours there. Thanks so much for chatting. Cheers, thanks. Well, a lot of great moments. The performance against Italy was fantastic. Not winning the game against Sweden was actually a disappointment to me. Crosses back to the edge of the pitch. You felt at the start of the tournament you needed to win a game to give yourself a really decent chance of qualifying. And it looked as if we'd spurned that. Combining that there with the crowd that we had, the supporters that we took, the humour that they uh, had throughout the tournament, uh, the stories coming back. One of those YouTube things of the nun on the train singing um, our father Martin Heaven. I think that was brilliant. And far more highs than lows, I have to say. From time to time I get heavy hearted thinking of how we used to kiss. Wow. 
Brady against Hugo Lloris. Ireland leading Lyon. What a start. What a perfect start. France turned the screw. Oh, it's there. It's Griezmann, and Griezmann makes it two. Two goals in three minutes. Off goes Griezmann again. Put in by Giroud. Griezmann's brought up. That's a penalty. Shane Duffy is on. Griezmann's done the damage yet again. It's the time for Ireland to get it off the pitch. There isn't. The dream has died. Ireland are out. Having fought the good fight. Just felt like I was there for us today. And our fans are unbelievable, and I would love, love to go a bit further for them. But um, we hope we made people proud because our fans are amazing, and everyone back home is amazing. And as I said, we're just disappointed we couldn't see that. Just to flesh out that point that I that I made, well, the point that Barney Roney made that I have taken from him. He said it was Don Howe, England's assistant coach, who brought the long throw flick on goal to the world at Spain '82, where Brian Robson scored a near identical goal to Ragnar Sigurdsson's here. Hodgson was already in Sweden that summer, already friends with Lager back Ken, and already introducing this kind of innovative set piece to Swedish football. That was 1982. Uh, maybe maybe Hodgson just forgot about it in the meantime. <laughs> well, Roy Hodgson, I mean. There was a time, I suppose, when he was a an innovator, or at least a um, a spreader of ideas to parts of the world where they hadn't been heard before. Um, what Roy Hodgson's been doing since he was, was England manager, I think, has been playing a kind of political game. Um, he pays attention to what's said in the media, which is going to be painful for him over the next couple of days. But I think I think he's been doing. I think he's been playing a kind of political game. He he's been playing this four three three system because I think it's regarded as sort of enlightened and forward thinking. Even though it doesn't really suit the squad that he's got, he's been crowbarring players into that system based on you know what the press thinks of them. You know Jack Wilshire. I mean, come on, Jack Wilshire. Like what can you? What can you do? You know, I mean, I think I think sometimes if you're if you're too concerned for appearances, you can sometimes lose track of what's really happening. I'm afraid that that happened with uh, with Roy Hodgson's England, not just uh, this tournament, also the last one, but um, decisively so on this on this occasion. All you mob who turned out for England tonight are a laughing stock. A low point in the game. Ridiculous clowns. F off you worms. <laughs> Is that in third worms? Yeah, I, I think, yeah. All those months of discussion about selection, about who's coming through and who's experienced, and they're all effing useless. <laughs> we haven't actually played the probably the most iconic clip from last night. I don't know if it was the most shared, but it's been talked about quite a lot. Steve McLaren on Sky Sports oh, News. What's this? I haven't heard this. Here you go. No panic. Calm straight down. Continue dominating the game, playing and staying in Iceland's halves. Down the right-hand side, Sturridge and Walker are causing all kinds of problems. And with that, Sterling is able to run across the field like he did for the penalty and is causing problems. England have had two corners, uh, defending zonal Iceland, and England are causing them problems. It's been the perfect response. You'd think that, no problem, start again. 
keep dominating, keep getting uh, pressure on the Iceland back four. The only thing that they have got is the big boy up front, Sigurdsson, who really, Sigthorsson. Oh, oh my oh word. My oh. Tell us, talk us through that, Steve. I think we know what's happened, but talk us through it. Oh, just saying. Sig Thorson is the only real threat. Every time the winner... (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. I thought they were talking at half-time or something. Oh, no. No, no, no. Hell no, kid. Sometimes it's better not to have the rights to a live sporting event. What was that? What show was that? That was Sky Sports News. Yeah, he's just talking talking over the... I seem to to have some kind of half-time punditry or something like, and he was trying to be really positive about... (laughs) His facial expression is unbelievable when it happens. His mouth, his jaw just drops to the ground. He sounded... He sounded really sad, didn't he? Yeah. He actually sounded... Uh, almost as though that's how he would have sounded if you talked to him after his England team had let in a goal to Iceland. He still obviously feels it. Um, good man, Steve McLaren. Uh, this, be- this, bi- this bell is Why haven't shy. we been using him? Well, no, I think if you put it on the table, it makes a louder noise. I had it on the table, noise. but then it was, uh, I thought I'd need to get it closer to the no, microphone. No. Hang on. Yeah, it makes a much better sound from the table, you see. All the usual analysis, all the usual punditry, all the statistical horseshit is void now. We got beat by Iceland. We're an effing disgrace. <laughs> Can we know? And this is the last one, Ud. Okay, last Danny Baker tweet. Can we now all agree that the England team are not in transition, not rebuilding, not a young side? They are just no fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> I decided I, I you, dispensed with the effing for the last you one. You did, yeah. You, because you really, stopped yourself you, editing. You, you got yeah, to read the ball. Oh, I think we can all probably agree on that for this term. A couple of rest days, so we'll take a break tomorrow. Wednesday, come back Thursday, I guess, to preview the quarterfinals. They start on Thursday, don't they? Yeah, uh, eight o'clock, so all the games are on at uh, 8 o'clock. Thursday is Poland, Portugal. Friday is Wales, Belgium. Saturday is Germany, Italy. And Sunday, the big one, France against our boys, Iceland. Oh, looking forward to that. Yeah. Looking forward to quite a few of these ones. It's, uh, been, a, it's been a lot of fun talking to you today, Owen. Okay, thank you, Ken. Thanks, Murph. And you, Kieran, and you, Owen. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. And thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 